Welcome to MicroCollege, a podcast exploring innovative, place-based, and humanly scaled responses to the crises in higher education, meaning, and discourse in our time. Everyone knows that colleges and universities are at a breaking point, but what can be done? I'm Jacob Hunt, the director of Thoreau College, a micro-college in Viroqua, Wisconsin. Join us each week as we tackle this question head-on. Welcome to MicroCollege. This week on the podcast, we are excited, we are thrilled to have Mike Hassel, who is a homesteader from Rhinelander in northern Wisconsin, beautiful Rhinelander, um, and he is one of the authors of a very fascinating new book and also um, really a new way of viewing the world in a lot of ways. Um, this book, is uh, the title is SKIP, which is an acronym for Skills to Inherit Property a framework to connect industrious people with elderly landowners. Um, there's a lot of, of life experience, a lot of principles packed into that, uh, which we'll get to in a second. But first, welcome, Mike. Thank you. It's good to be here in beautiful Viroqua. Yes, here in the studio yeah. on WDRT. Um, thanks for coming down. <laughs> My pleasure. So as listeners to the podcast will know, um, the people we have on, um, we like to start with a biographical question. So, Mike, if you could reflect back to your younger years, um, to the time when you were 18 to 21 years old, um, about where you were, what you were doing, what was your, what was formative to you during that period of your life? Hmm, that's a good, interesting time range. Um, let's see, so I, as I finished high school, I asked my guidance counselor what I should do, and he said, you like math and science, you should be an engineer. So I went to UW-Madison for mechanical engineering. That was my 18 to 21-year-old <laughs> time frame. Um, so I guess I'd say more, so I learned how to party. That was fun. Important uh, skill. Interpersonal connections and how to talk to people. All that Madison, stuff. I think, is consistently the number one party school. Yeah, it, it sometimes, uh, it's in its own section even because yeah. it, it isn't fair to the other schools, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, no, I had a good time in Madison. Um, I'd, I'd actually kind of switch it up a little bit and say more of my formative stuff, at least in relations to this book, happened before or after that time. Like Excellent. Bef yeah, before would have been like playing in the woods behind behind my parents' house and chasing birds and bird watching and playing in the in the woods um, and hunting with my uncles and that that's that kind of got me out into nature and into fishing and. In that side of the world, this is northern Wisconsin, Rhinelander area. Um, actually, central. Um, okay. Yeah, my uh, and I lived, grew up outside Madison. Okay. And then my 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 dad didn't hunt or fish, but my uncles did, and they were uh, Marshfield, Wisconsin Rapids area. Yeah, so. yeah. So Aldo Leopold, San County Almanac country. Oh yeah. Yeah, so I mentioned that we we were just reading San County Almanac uh, with the the Thoreau College students this week. Nice. Um, which is great to read at this time of year. It begins in January, goes through through the months, and and uh, so we were we we're tracing those footprints. Um, and I always think about all the Leopold. When I think about that country, Wisconsin Rapids, Central Wisconsin. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah it's a yeah. So that's I learned a lot from my uncles, kind of remotely from my from my dad, where you're normally supposed to learn how to deer hunt and everything. And then after college, I'd like got a house and had to like finish off the basement and things like that. So then I got into, I'd never been into carpentry or any of those things, but over the course of, the first, I don't know, the next 10 or 20 years, 
remodeled multiple basements, did the wiring, did the plumbing, did the drywall, and kept learning different elements of building a house and making furniture and got into a blacksmithing club when I lived in Utah for a while. And started, I'm realizing now, I started to pick up skills and, and ways of looking at projects. Like you know, my mechanical engineering brain mm-hmm. still with some creativity that they didn't drill out of me in college. Plus, like, projects gets me thinking about different ways of slapping together some pieces of wood to make a, a desk or something. Yeah, so that, that that's, a, that's a question I wanted to ask. I mean, we've had at least one other person with an engineering background on this on this show in the past. And, you know, there, there's, a, there's obviously a lot of richness in that education, a way of thinking, a really practical set of, of thinking tools there. But also there was, our previous guest was talking about the competitive nature of it and some of the, the kind of, yeah, the, the aspects of it that are, are, are you know, counter-creative in some ways. Um, can you talk about, you know, in terms of the work that you've done, which is very creative, coming up with this curriculum, developing your own homestead, learning all these different skills, your, your mechanical engineering education, your formal education, you know, did it, what role did it play in, in what you were able to do afterwards? Um, let's see. It, well, it helped me to be able to afford to do a, a yeah, lot of important. things afterwards. <laughs> yes, having a, having a paying engineering job is awfully nice. Um, and then... Yeah, just the so on one side the engineering is a lot of okay, here's the here's the problem, you have to solve it and there's one answer. I think that's what drills out a little bit of creativity and you know, everyone, you know, early on in your schooling you're coming up with wild and crazy ideas and the professor always says, Well, that'll kill somebody and well <laughs> then <laughs> then the car will break down after three miles, so that probably wouldn't work and you pretty soon learn that it's a lot safer to just take what somebody else has done before and just small adjustments so there's a bit of that but yeah you learn so much about how materials react to forces at least Mm -hmm. on the mechanical side and how how to put things together so that they won't break and that that lends itself well to a lot of things around the homestead Mm -hmm. yeah i think that there's there's a there's a opposition in our culture really that is between you know the humanities and 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 the the stem subjects and uh and even groups of people, you know, are, are divided up in that way. And that, that seems like, yeah, it seems harmful to a culture <laughs> if that's the case. If all of the all of the, the, the poets and people reading novels have known nothing about forces and, and vice versa, or the people are designing things that aren't, aren't, you know, grounded in the humanities as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I have a friend who's a musician, and we built actually one of these foam things on the wall behind us here. And he was just amazed at how two pieces of wood could attach <laughs> together and not fall apart. And and it's, yeah, it's just different worlds coming together. Yeah. So uh, talk about the origins of your of, of your homestead and talk about what, you know, what sort of things you're doing on your own your own property these days. Sure. Yeah, me and my wife, Kara, bought, the, bought a place out in the country, I think it's about eight years ago now. And it had been a little farm two owners back, but... Now it just had, there were a few apple trees. That was all that, the only evidence. And a little barn. And the barn's what sold me on the place. Like, okay, it's a suitable house close to town. There's a barn and there's some sun hitting the ground. Most of the Rhinelanders trees. Yeah. So I, I actually wanted to, our, people listen to this podcast all over the world. So oh, yeah. maybe you could give us a little picture of snapshot of the, the bioregion there of northern Wisconsin. Perfect. Yeah, it's a gently rolling terrain, lots of trees and lakes. So we got, I think... Oh, she was, I think it's 240 lakes within, uh, I think it's 12 miles of Rhinelander. Wow. It's just a crazy number of lakes. 
Um, on the higher ground, you got tall white pines and oaks and maples, and then down in the lower land, you got tamaracks and and jack or no, not jack pines, uh, just wetter, <laughs> wetter trees, cedars, stuff yeah. like that. So it's well, it's it's a well irrigated area, a lot of sandy soils, and yeah, yeah it's not as bumpy as the driftless, not nearly as much farming. Uh, yeah. That switches from farmland Wisconsin stereotypical red barn to trees yeah. about a hundred miles south of us. So we're up in the tree area and the vacation yeah. homes. Yeah, very distinctly different bioregion than 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 southern Wisconsin or the Driftless region. And uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a, it's a beautiful place. Um, I've got family roots up there as well. And um, yeah, it's it's but it's a, you know, the things that we're talking about here. Your your climate, your your soils, your animals, your 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 geology in a place matters a lot to just doing a homestead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, that's what we chose the place we bought because it had about an acre that wasn't trees. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, up there it's easy to get forty. Well, not easy anymore, but forty acres of trees. Yeah, but if you want to throw in a garden, yeah, you know, okay, you got to clear the land and all that. So yeah, we found a place that was that had some opening mm-hmm. open areas and cute little barn and yeah we've just been improving it from there remodeled the house put in a chicken coop we've got usually about a dozen chickens running around built a greenhouse put in a garden starting a food forest uh, sugar shack yeah all, all the things beautiful yeah, yeah. I, I imagine that there, there's folks listening to this who are saying wow that's pretty good how do i how do i how do i get myself into a situation like that oh it's easy <laughs> well there's, there's a number of ways and obviously you can Go do the kind of thing I did, just get a job and work long enough that the house you live in is the house that you homestead in. So a lot of people do that. Just, but yeah, my, my, one of the ways is is, is skip. Yeah, there's right? another way is skip, which is super awesome. <laughs> so yeah, let's. So again, skip stands for skills to inherit property, a framework to connect industrious people with elderly landowners. Um, and this is this is the book that was you know Kickstarter Kickstarter funded a book project. How much did you raise in the Kickstarter? Some around one hundred and forty seven thousand. Yeah, that's a pretty yeah. good Kickstarter. Yeah, um, suitable amount. And it's a it's a beautiful like illustrated book. A lot of like a lot of humor, um, a lot of background to the story. Um, a really good sort of storytelling. But fundamentally, it's a long li- checklist of particular experiences, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, organized in different different ways um, and. Well, also, yeah. yeah. What, tell, start yeah. this story from the beginning. Sure. Where so, does it begin? Um, well, let's see. So, yes, yeah, Skip, it, we're trying to connect industrious, um, aspiring homesteaders, generally probably younger folks, um, try to come up with a way for them to prove themselves in order to be able to impress some other older person that they don't know somewhere else in the world, country, state, that has a nice little place, a little farmette, a little homestead, but they don't have a suitable heir that's going to take over the land and keep it a homestead or a farm. So on one side, you've got young folks who yearn for this but don't have the capital to buy a homestead. And at the same time, you've got older folks who either they don't have kids. There's an, I've met a lot of back-to-the-land hippies who don't have kids. Mm-hmm. And there's other older folks who do have kids, but they know if they gave their land to their kids, it would get sold to the highest bidder and turned into a subdivision. Mm-hmm. So there's there's folks at both ends of this equation, and they needed something in the middle to connect them. So that's why Paul came up with this framework. Yeah. So, Paul, can you tell us about Paul? Yeah. Paul Wheaton, he's my buddy who pulled me into this. Uh, he runs permies.com, the largest permaculture website, which many people I'm hoping are aware of. 
um, does a lot of great things. He has a site out in Montana where he experiments with rocket mass heaters and hugel culture and a bunch of elements of homesteading permaculture that he really likes and wants to push forward. So yeah, he came up with this idea kind of as an alternative to a PDC. So it stands for uh, permaculture design certificate or course, I think certificate. Mm-hmm. So it's a two week intensive program where you learn how to do permaculture design. And it's mainly indoors, like bookwork, and you come out of it as with a toolkit to kind of start designing. And he was thinking it'd be nice to have a way for people to actually do projects and do physical things. And initially, he was thinking over a two-week period. It turns out it takes a lot longer to yeah. do all these things. <laughs> but yeah. So just yeah, a PDC is is a, is a, is a theoretical experience largely. You're introduced to certain concepts and, and forms. Yeah, educational. There's a lot yeah. of yeah. like, how does groundwater move and what's the water yeah. cycle. And so yeah, permaculture can mean a lot of different things to people. Um, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a powerful paradigm, and uh, we've had it's been a, a somewhat a recurrent theme on some of our programs in, in here at Thoreau College. So I'd love to if you you know could give your definition or your understanding of that term. What does permaculture mean? To me, it means working or designing your life to work more closely with mother nature instead of spraying things at her yeah. <laughs> so yeah whether it's outside in the house um your heating cooling anything it's just finding a way to work with mother nature instead of controlling her mm-hmm. um using natural systems to to solve problems for you yeah. well that sounds pretty easy so yeah. um right <laughs> what, what are the what are the barriers that um so these the, um the the people who are have land that they they would like to, to have continued to be steward stewarded to to pass on to someone who, who will work with it and, and live with it um i know that these that these landowners are out there because they have approached me mm-hmm. a number of them have approached me just in my role as the person connected with this college, with the Driftless Folk School. Um, it sounds like you've met some some people like this too. Yeah, through the mainly through the Kickstarter, I'd get emails and, and communications every once in a while. I've, I think I've had over 20 people now tell me that, that they're an Otis, which is, is a nickname for folks like this. Who, right, should you explain who, who's Otis? So Otis is a fictional guy that Paul made up. Um, he's got it's an average of all the people that he's made up, but like 200 acres, he's got two houses, the old one he grew up in and the new one up by the road that, that he lives in now. And, but he doesn't have any kids who, who would take over the place. So he's got all the equipment he can't take care of the animals anymore. And yeah, he's just one of these, these imaginary folks, but yeah, it's (laughs) easier to call everyone Otis's instead of, well, it's an elderly yeah, or yeah. Otis has. But, so yeah. that's and, and of course in the book Otis has a picture, right? Yeah. And 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 so there, this is it's a fictional character, but based on many actual people. Yeah. So yep. I do think that that people listening to this will say, yeah, though who that does, person doesn't exist, but I, this person definitely exists in multiple forms, and and we've both met them. Yep. Yeah, I've met. Yeah, I've met over twenty. And anytime I talk to a group, like if I go to a Rotary Club and do a talk about this, and there's fifteen people in the audience afterwards one will kind of sneakily come up and say yeah that's me yeah so they're they're all over the place so yeah another way to talking about this that that's a really like an important issue in the agricultural world in the land stewardship world is is generational succession right that's yeah. kind of the technical term and um we know that that you know many small farms have gone out of business or they're they're you know they've kind of run to the end of a generational line in the last you know 20 to 150 years and um and so this is this is a big issue who's going to raise our food who's going to take care of our land 
so that that's one end of it. Um, mm -hmm. Who's on the other side of this? Can you characterize the people a little bit more um, yeah. who who are who may be going through this this kind of skip process? Yeah, there's. I don't. We don't have as generic and <laughs> and easy to pigeonhole a, a person on the other side. In my mind, they're high school age, college age. They're looking ahead to going like. They've been told all their lives, well, maybe not anymore, but back 10 years ago, is go to college, go to college, go to college, go to college, and get a job and do all the things that, that your parents did and everyone else did. But they want, they see what's wrong with the world. They want to get their hands dirty. They want to be in a garden. They've, they've been an intern or they've done woofing or they've done something like that, and they, they want to do that more. Uh, they, they can fix the world in their own little backyard, but... They don't see that happening if they're the assistant department manager at, right. at some place, and carrying around a bunch of debt. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. and then driving to and from work, and and their whatever their job is, it's probably not helping the environment, and they right. might want to help instead of hurt. So, yeah, yeah, they they might have the skills, they might not have the skills, but they don't have the capital. Right, and land is just getting more and more expensive, so yeah. they're they're kind of stuck, yeah. and they're. And you can, even if you had the financial ability to go woofing and, and interning for five years, at the end of that, you've got a lot of skills. You know how to take care of goats, and you know how to run a greenhouse. You know all these things. You still don't have the capital. You, mm -hmm. and the best you can do is get a job somewhere doing those things for somebody else, and yeah. which is great, but there's only so many of those jobs today. Yeah. Yeah, so this is, again, a type of person that... that I meet all the time in my, my roles here, yeah. right? And, and that's certainly one of the reasons that people come to, come to Thoreau College, right? They are, they're people who are questioning the, the educational system. They, they are, have a real interest in doing good things for the earth. They have a real interest in living in a sort of in a hands-on kind of engaged way with, with the material world. And Henry David Thoreau, our, our kind of namesake and, and uh, kind of inspiration here, is, is, a, is an early example of this kind of person, right? It's his sense of, of living in an engaged life, which is also a, you know, a, a morally coherent kind of um, aesthetically kind of rich life in a unique way. Um, so, uh, we, again, I meet people like this all the time. Many times they are people who have grown up in the suburbs or in an urban place or or just in a context where they haven't had any opportunity to develop any of the any skills that you might need to work with a piece of land. And I think it's it's just a statement of our time, you know, our our, our economy, our culture, you know, just the, the modernization that has happened in the last, you know, fifty to two hundred years is that people are more and more disconnected, not just from the land, but from actually material reality in some way. Mm -hmm. If you think about our you know, the the American space program or the military or the just the kind of the industrial structure of the country much of it was built by people who grew up on dairy farms yeah. like small farms where you had to fix the tractor and like you know work with animals and fix the fence and, and then take care of the house and do the bookkeeping and kind of market things and the, there was sort of a, a multitasking multi-skilled kind of life that that many you know much of the population experienced for a long time that just isn't present anymore so, so my what was this is very like the idea of skip is very exciting to me because um, it does I think it meets a, a really um, my sense of it meets a really urgent need that I'm faced with all the time with with in in and uh, so tell us more about how it works right sure yeah so it's all so the program is housed on permies.com which is a, a forum based software system so some of these young kids that are doing this probably have never 
participated on an internet forum. So <laughs> you do a folk school class on that now, I guess. <laughs> yeah, early internetting for you <laughs> for millennials. So yeah, it's a so you go to permies.com. Uh, the the whole program is free. So yay, yay, you can afford it finally. Yes. <laughs> so you go to permies.com/skip, and that that's kind of the the place I send everyone for an introduction to the whole kind of the stuff we're talking about here, the, the same information that's in the book. Well, there's a lot more in the book, but mm-hmm. um, that's a good place to start. It'll show you all the badges, how to get into the program. Um, so you'll go in and look at, there's 22 different badges. Um, each badge has a number of um, up to four levels within it, and each of those levels has a number of skills or projects that you can do to, to earn that badge. So the 22 badges, like what, 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 is, uh, what distinguishes those 22 different bad things? Well, the name, of course. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, there's a gardening badge, there's a natural building right. badge, uh, electrical, plumbing, textiles, uh, food prep and preservation, uh, commerce. But it's, so there's 22 different areas of distinct sort of skill areas, experience areas, different kind of sets of things you want to know something about in order to be to 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 be a good steward of a piece of land. Yeah, to show, and you know, you can delve deeply into some of them and just barely skim others, right. just like in in school mm-hmm. um, so yeah you pick one that you want to start on and and you just and within that badge you can drill in and see each of the skills that you have to that you can do and within that there'll sometimes be a little YouTube video a little guidance of what's expected there'll be some specific requirements and then a number of photos that you have to or videos that you have to take and you complete the task say it's whittling a spoon and so you have to show the piece of wood you're starting with, um, partway through whittling it, and then the finished spoon, I think, are the requirements for that one. So you post those pictures. Somebody else will certify it that you either did it or you didn't do it good enough. And then, yay, you got that, that one thing done. And once you do all the items under that badge, you'll earn that badge. And if you do enough badges, you earn a bigger rank. And you can just work your way up through the system and get more and more uh, certifications, I guess, if you will, below your name and your signature line. Mm-hmm. So, And who's doing the, the verification of that you've actually done the thing? Um, a couple people. Right? It's supported right now by Permian staff members who are just doing it in their spare time. And at the same time, folks that are completing these, once you've earned a badge, you can certify the people that come after you in the badge bits, the little parts. So, mm-hmm. and. To get a higher rank, you have to have done a certain number of certifications. So it, it's kind of like a self-supporting system in that manner. Yeah, so that's that's a that's a really innovative structure as well. That's uh, yeah, I, that um, it's this community-sourced kind of verification and. Uh, yeah. Um, I think one of the things that in, in poking around the Permi site, that is, um, you know, the, the book is. It doesn't tell you how to do these things. No, nope. right. Um, but on the website, there's actually a fair amount of information if you wanted to get started, like in terms of like YouTube videos or like mm-hmm. articles about how to do these various yeah. various activities. Yeah, yeah. We definitely in in Skip it's, we we don't want to teach anything, but we want everyone to learn everything. Yeah. So, <laughs> like, if uh, the job is uh, so, um, sewing a pillow, and yeah, we could try to. Well, we, we don't want to have to teach everyone. There's like over 1,200 things in here, so we don't want to have that's a That's a teaching. big book. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. a whole, that's a whole, I mean. It's a long list. <laughs> this, looking at it, it's like, wow, these this folk, these folks have gone and come up with a whole curriculum, right? Yeah. For, for living, for living, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this one is, yeah, the living the way Paul 
and this is Paul's program, and it, so it's like it's got Paul. There's a lot of rock and mass heater stuff in there, yeah. for instance. But yeah, it's a it's a long list of ways to impress an Otis who agree who's on the same general mind frame as Paul. Yeah, would maybe be a way to put it. But yeah, so that that's a, I think it's something I really appreciated about this. I mean, uh, um, you know, I look at this and I've handed it to a couple of other people who are knowledgeable about skills and stuff, and they're like, well. That's like that particular thing. I don't know anything about that, but there's something here that I, I don't know. And, and that's explicit, actually, in, in the design. This is The principles that are in this first version are those that are applicable to Paul Wheaton's place in Montana. Yeah. Right? But that's, that's recognized in the structure. There could be other versions yeah. of this. Yep. And Definitely. I think you're working on one as well? Yep. Yeah, under the umbrella of SKIP could be numerous programs. So... One is perm permaculture experience, according to Paul, so it's called PEP. And then there's a, another one that's defined currently permaculture experience for apartments. Mm -hmm. So that one you could do anywhere in the world, even if you don't have a window. And there's yeah. a, it's a smaller program, but there's, there's that one. I'm working on, that's I awesome, guess you'd yeah. call it PEM, so permaculture experience, according to Mike. And that'll be much more suited, in my mind, to the kind of homesteading we do around here where it rains once in a while yeah. and we don't have a bunch of rock and mass heaters just handy like Paul does. He's, he's got a bunch. He's blessed. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> I'm trying to create my own, and I've got a different badge that I'm real excited about that's uh, more traditional skills. So there's a lot of those built into all these, but I'm going to have – I'm going to replace one of Paul's – one of the oddball badge, for those who have already read the book, <laughs> with uh, a traditional skills badge that will have pioneer stuff, um, old European, like, you know, making making soap, making candles, yeah. birch bark canoe. Yeah. Um, that's a lot of our. Arrow. That's our bread and butter. The yeah. school classes. Yeah. Yep. Uh -huh. Exactly. It's like stuff that didn't fit in the other badges and yeah. wasn't in Paul's. Yeah. So it's like, okay, I'm going to do a catch-all that does all these, and like some wild crafting kind of survival, yeah. fire starting, debris yeah. shelter, that sort of thing. So, yeah. so yeah, that's so I I anticipate unlo uh, launching that sometime soon. So then there'd be a third <laughs> one, but there could be another. And there could be plenty of other mm -hmm. programs under SKIP. Like there could be a tropical one for how to set up right. your banana circles and, and how to live in the jungle, mm -hmm. uh, desert ones. There could be like an organic market gardening according to Arwen. Right. Like have one that some lady named Arwen comes up that's more for market gardening and greenhouse management. Instead Wait, did of you know that Arwen was the person who runs our, our greenhouse? <laughs> Oh, that she is? Yeah. Sweet. <laughs> there we go. Go, Arwen. Yeah, so she can come up with one that's got, like, like greenhouse management skills that aren't, like, on, like, and it could be any kind of a business, really, as long as there's enough people that it's worth doing. Somebody could mm -hmm. put together a program under this umbrella. Yeah, I just I wanted to just give give the the people listening here just a little example of this, and so I think the one that we've um, really looked at most closely so far here, so this is already influencing our curriculum design kind of principles, um, was the food prep and preservation class. Uh -huh. So so at the moment, um, the the participants in the Thoreau College Spring Semester Program are doing they're in a, a month long block meeting you know six hours a week or so with our our food instructor on cooking skills, basic kitchen skills, and so. Um, Frank, our instructor, was was excited to see this, and um, so this is um, so as as uh, as Mike is, is mentioning here, there is you know, these twenty two different badges, which are these different yeah. subject areas, basically. Yeah, technically we call them aspects, but I'm, aspects. I'm using different word, simpler. There's a lot of acronyms in this. I'm trying to keep it a little simple, but yeah, <laughs> technically each one is it. You'd have the food prep aspect, and within it are the four four badges, but 
that's a little um, yeah. So each of those have um, yeah four levels, right? There's yeah. the, the the sand badge, the wood badge, sand straw, wood, sand and straw, iron. wood and iron, right? Yeah. They're kind of increasing levels of mm -hmm. of kind of intensity and, and also just scope of some of these projects. Oh. By the time you get up to iron, some of them are quite yeah, large. They're huge. Yeah, it's ba it's basically based on how many hours of experience you gain doing the badge. So the sand one is five hours of experience, and the iron is like twelve hundred or or something. Yeah. So in in let's say cooking and food prep in the sand badge, some of the things that are there: cast iron skillet skills, fry an egg so that it slides around, a stack of ten pancakes, hash browns that fully cover the skillet, right? Cook at least two cups of grain, right? On a stew of stove cup, a rice cooker, solar oven, canning, right? Make a pizza, make bake two loaves of bread. This is the kind of thing. Um, so if you work, you know, all the way up to the iron badge, right? Um, you work to the place where 99% of your food that you're using is organic or better, right? Yep. Sourcing kind of conditions. 90% of the food comes from homesteading, preferably from your own homestead, right? You preserve 4 million calories, Yep. right? <laughs> Prepare 3,200 3, plates of food. At least 400 plates need to be 100% from your homestead, right? So you can see this goes from frying an egg on your own skillet, so that slides around, up to, right, Enough. Really feeding your whole community, basically. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think four million. I forget how many million calories. You, I think that's enough food for two people. It's either two or four people. So for yeah, a whole I, year. For a year. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> yep. Yeah, a lot of these, like I really like the, like the textiles badge. The The beginning one is like darn a sock, sew a patch, make a pillow, weave a basket. Oh, I'm going to forget one now. Make twine and something else about like that. And at the iron level, one of them is make an entire wardrobe for yourself, starting with the seeds. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> planting the flax and making the linen and then sewing it. This is one of the one of the bits in that one. Yeah. So. so I think that it's totally modular. As you're saying that like all twenty two, you know, like unlikely that everyone's gonna be an iron badge in any in everything. Like that's probably no. never gonna happen. No. Right. Um, but that does does allow you a sense to like specialize, right? Mm -hmm. You can get really good at one thing, and then also have a have a breadth of, of experience across these other and more basic yep. levels. Yeah, certainly. If you and there's at least one gal who wants to do the whole textiles badge, all the way through, just to show that she can do it. Her whole order from seed. Yep, all that <laughs> stuff, and it takes a little while. Yeah, so that's her goal, and that's yeah. that's wonderful. She might may, might not even do any of the other badges. She just wants to do that, and then there's probably some Otis or Otessa somewhere that's like, I don't care that she didn't get the other ones. She grew her clothes and made shoes and did all this stuff. She gets my place. I don't care about anyone else. Right. So there there could be that. So there's a way, I mean, these are there are some deep kind of permacultural principles built into this. I mean, this the idea oh, yeah. of, of adjustable, um, you know, having different sets of skills and experiences for different environments, different kind of circ life circumstances, in your, you're in an apartment, you have a family, you're in, in a place in different, you know, um, sort of biome. Um, but also, like, individual people are different, too. There's a way that this is, is, is unlike a, you know, a conventional university degree, right? There's, there's yeah. a lot more of, of a, a variability here that you could build into, into your guess, education yeah. and experience. Yeah, in university, you can go for a number of different degrees, I guess. It's true. You don't have to just get one. But, yeah, this, this does have, it's a lot of flexibility. You do whatever you want, and you don't have to finish anything and do what you want. So how long has this um, skip has been up on, on Permis in some form since how long? I would say it 
kind of showed up officially more like about four years ago or so. They started creating the first badges, and then Paul has um, events out there. So he had a free event. Anyone who had done 20 badge bits or little tasks mm-hmm. could come out there for free for a week. So I was like, oh, cool, free vacation. I, <laughs> I hadn't been out there. I hadn't met the guy. So I went out there and oh. spent a week doing doing badge work with a, a bunch of strangers, and and I wanted to get certain things done because I knew I could only do them there mm-hmm. and and got a bunch of stuff done. And then from there, I was kind of in the lead. I was the candidate to be the co-author then, I guess, unfortunately. <laughs> so, so I just kept staying involved with it. And it was almost like, a, this is like an Otis situation, right? <laughs> you demonstrated you got some skills, <laughs> yep. some commitment to it. Yeah, I had yeah. demonstrated the ability and I had the time to work on the book. And yeah, I don't know how many thousands of hours we spent getting that thing done <laughs> I mean it's evident by reading this book that it was a lot of fun right the the, the kind of the language and just the, the kind of the the you know there's 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 a playfulness about it that I really appreciated yeah, yeah a lot of that is that's Paul's way of talking and you yeah. know I'd, I'd write something he'd write something we'd be on <laughs> zoom together and you know I'd be able to it was 90% his words and I could just <laughs> hopefully change things to sound a little huh? as, as the, the window dressing on so yeah, that's definitely Paul's uh, style. <laughs> so since then, um, I mean, you you've gone out and done, you've led some of these these uh, sessions with with Paul out there. And mm-hmm. Can you talk about what happens in these two week kind of uh, what do you call them? Yeah, um, just a skip event. A skip I guess event. You'd call it. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's not a class because we're not teaching. We're just facilitating you to be able to do these tasks. Mm-hmm. So folks will come out. We've got a schedule. Um, like, okay, in the mornings, we're going to do the harder work because it's Montana and it gets hot. So I'll do something in the morning, something in the afternoon. Last year, we had enough instructors that we had two tracks going. So you could either be out with me doing something or over with Oakland or Penny doing doing a different one. And yeah, it's eight hours, you know, four hours morning, four hours afternoon. Uh, work, just get... <laughs> work your butt off trying mm-hmm. to get all the things done. We've got a packed schedule so that you can get it. If you can get it all done, you go home with a bunch of badges. Yeah, and you've then, moved through a chunk of this program. Yeah, you can get like yeah. five or se- five to seven badges in the two weeks for the sand badge. Mm-hmm. And usually it's ones that are hard to get at home. Like some, there's some Paul-specific stuff in there. It's a lot easier to use his backhoe to build a, <laughs> a hugu culture that's seven feet tall than it is to do it at home with a wheelbarrow and a shovel. <laughs> But, yeah, folks come out for two weeks. Uh, it's usually two five-day weeks with a, two days off on the weekend. You can camp out there, pay to sleep on a, in a cabin. Mm-hmm. Uh, organic food, of course. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty, pretty nice, uh, nice time. Cool. And uh, could you characterize what, what sort of people were showing up to do that? Like where, where were they in life and where were, you know, how did this fit into their trajectories? The so I guess surprisingly to me, most of them were not who I pictured. Uh-huh. Like there, this last summer, I think we had we had a pair of brothers who were in that age range, and most of the people. I hope I'm not. I hope they're not listening if I'm forgetting. But most of them were forties to sixties years huh. old. So there were people who just wanted to learn the skills. They didn't necessarily care about the inheriting property. Yeah. So they. And one lady, it was her first time using a hammer 
and a chainsaw and a backhoe, and she did it all on the same day. Maybe not a hammer, maybe it was a handsaw. It was something like that. Whole you know? stages of uh, technological evolution yeah. being jumped over there. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I wouldn't hire her to go uh, run a major job site backhoe, but she, yeah, did some scoops with the excavator. So, yeah, people, they come away, like one, one guy really got into the like chisel work on round wood. Uh, there's like uh, make a three log bench out of a big log so you cut two chunks for the legs uh-huh. and you do the saddles then set a big log chunk on top and flatten it and he just playing with the plane and the ads and hatchets and the chainsaw and he was just really getting into the the woodworking and then he went off and did a totally different project that wasn't even part of the program just because right, we don't care what you're doing is if you want to go whittle on some sticks go for it <laughs> and now his goal is to go do timber framing. So he's going to a class somewhere to learn timber framing for a few months. Thoreau College is a leader in an emergent movement dedicated to the renewal and revitalization of higher education through the creation of new humanly scaled institutions with holistic curricula known as micro colleges. Thoreau College, higher education for the whole human being. Yeah, so you, that's you know, you're you're revealing here as something that 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 has been evident to me um, is that you know you the the framing of this is very practical. Obviously, it's it's you know all the parts of it are practical, and like the whole picture is there. There is this very real need that we both have seen that there yeah. is generational transfer of both land but also of knowledge. That's you know that that's part of the business that we are in here at Thoreau College and Driftless Folk School, um, but. Yeah, the reasons for doing that, that skill transfer, are not necessarily to, to take over property, <laughs> right? And yeah. you know, so as you're noting to your older participants, um, there, there is something that is just, um, yeah, there is something like inherently satisfying to be able to do things well with your hands or a bunch of different kinds of things with your hands. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's soul building, I guess, to learn how to do yeah. those things. And spend, like, not everyone has these tools, so mm. being able to go play with a chisel and a mallet and and build something for the first time in 20 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, people like that. Yeah, can you say, like, what's your your intuition about, I mean, what what's lacking if you don't have that kind of experience? What's the, what's the, what's the, the need that's being filled by that? Oh, man. I was, <laughs> I'm an engineer, not a philosopher. Oh, <laughs> uh, let's see. The need is there. All the... You need to be able to fix things around your own house, I guess. I yep. don't know if that's the right kind of thing. Like, <laughs> I and once you've learned how to cut down a tree, then you can cut down a tree. And maybe you feel more confident about your abilities, or mm-hmm. you you can figure your way out of problems a little better once you've done some similar things. Like if you've built a birdhouse yeah. and a two-step stool, maybe now you realize, oh, I guess I could fix that gate on my garden maybe yeah i think that that you know what you're pointing to there is um you know there is there's a characteristic modern experience of of powerlessness right Mm -hmm. that a lot of people feel that the world is big and complicated and a lot of the tools that they use every day they don't even know how they work right they're 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 kind of black boxes and um and then things that ancestors you know used to know how to do they don't know how to do either and so there that the, my sense at least in the young people that i've worked with is that there's a sense of of disempowerment that comes with that powerlessness mm-hmm. that knowing how to cook your own egg even right that what's being talked about yeah. here even those 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 beginning sand level things are, are you know there's major kind of inner victories that are won by learning how to do those things yeah and like that egg example 
I can't remember if you said the whole thing, but you have to fry an egg in cast iron and get it to slide around yeah. without scraping it free with a spatula first. Yep. yep. So the idea is to show how non-stick a properly seasoned cast iron pan is. Right. So when folks are looking at how uh, all you can buy in the store is Teflon-covered stuff that will give you medical pro- oh, yeah, everything's yeah. toxic in this world hey there's a solution yeah it's cast iron i've used it i did it or i, I had to get grandma's old pan out of the basement but hey it worked <laughs> now i've got a solution to the problems that i was powerless to solve before yeah exactly yeah there's a sense that that you know again there, there's something that flows from that that's not just cooking an egg right yeah. there, there, oh, yeah. there's, yeah. there's 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 uh, kind of inner development qualities that come from it as well yep yeah, until I cooked lasagna for the for the badge, I didn't realize how. Hey, this is really good, and I can do that. I can do this. Now I'm cooking lasagna on. There you go. Yeah, and I had to make a chowder. Well, clam chowder is really good. Yeah, I didn't know how easy it was, but now that I had to do it to get the badge. Yeah, I'm doing these too. I'm still well. Yeah, looking uh, poking around in Permies, I, I do see that you you may be one of the more advanced. <laughs> Yeah, as one would expect from the person who wrote the book. So, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's good to see you're practicing I'm, what you preach. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think I'm, it depends how you rank things, but yeah, I think I've got the most badges. And there's a gal named Opalin who's hopefully going to teach to this summer again, and I think she has the most badge bits. So, we're it's neck and neck. Yeah, but yeah, I want to I want to get up to the 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 larger levels. Like individual badges are great, and then if you have 16 of the 22 sand badges. You get to pep one. Uh-huh. Ooh, sparkle, sparkle. <laughs> and then if you do like a wood badge, seven straw badges, and all the rest sand badges, then you get to pep two. Ooh. Yeah. And there's, there's, so that's like graduating elementary school and yeah. graduating middle or There are different levels. So, yeah, I'm working towards pep two right now. I'm probably getting close. Yeah. And I think it's a really powerful idea. I mean, there, there's um, you know, our, our whole educational system is – has been organized for a long time around certain number of hours, you know, Carnegie units and credit hours and things like that, um, that, that are entirely abstract. Actually, I've been trying to been faced with several times trying to translate the kind of experiential immersive learning that we do here into like university catalog systems. And it's, it's really like on the one hand you come up with a number that looks ridiculous to the university because it's well it's all the time right people are learning something they're if they're not reading a book they're 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 cooking a meal or they're working in the garden or they're like having a meeting and like all of these things are are learning experiences and how do you document those in some way and mm-hmm. so um, instead of I mean they're 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 you translate into hours here clearly. Um, but also, fundamental unit here is the experience, right? Doing yeah. having the experience, and that could take different amounts of time for different people for different skills. Yeah, yeah. There's a, the time is a. It, it was awkward for for Paul too. Luckily, he did most of this thinking before I got involved. But <laughs> there's there's two elements of it. One is like the sand badge in his mind is roughly five hours of experience. So you could bake bread, and it takes you more than an hour. But how much of that time were you doing anything? Right. It might be 15 minutes you spent mixing stuff, kneading stuff, mm-hmm. throwing it in the oven, pulling it out. So the the cooking, the food prep and preservation badge has a whole lot of stuff in that sand badge. Then you're like, there's no way you can do all that in five hours. But it's the experience part of each one of those. Yeah. And then at the same time, like the there's one building a mallet. Like say so you take a chunk and you cut away everything that doesn't look like a, a club. 
and some people can do that in five minutes. Other people take some eight hours to do that. So mm -hmm. there's an element of, of yeah, how fast people can do a certain task. So <laughs> yeah, time's tricky. But I think another thing that, that I that I like about it, I mean, it's coming out in your in your you know story about your journeying for the through these badges is that you know you're a mechanical engineer. You've got you know certain experience with with tools and with like so Im imagining like the building and the construction things are. Are like maybe your 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 comfort zone. Um, your you know that's mm -hmm. that's where you go to first. But then just having the structures, encouraging you also to figure out how to bake lasagna and to to do some of these you know to, to really diversify your your skill set. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And this whole and this roundwood woodworking. I'd never done anything like that. Mm -hmm. And that's whole. You know, it doesn't have timber framing in here. It's roundwood using the whole log. Yeah. And yeah, I hadn't done any of that stuff either. But yeah, with a I know my way around a saw, so that yeah. <laughs> that, that worked out. It was fun to delve into that and move a little ways there, but then, yeah, getting into cooking. And it, the <laughs> wife picks on me all the time. Are you just doing this for a badge bed? <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> I'm never going to clean the refrigerator out again, probably, but I got it once, and that's all I need Right, to that do. stuff's all in there, too. I really, oh, yeah. I mean, that that is something that we, you know, we end up teaching. We we have um, our, our students are, ship, are running a household. They're cleaning the toilet. They're, you know, mm -hmm. all these things are also built into here, which is so, like, I was so glad to see that. Yeah, yeah, because Otis wants to make sure if, if he gives you his second house, the one he grew up in, that he has all these memories of that you're going to keep it clean. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, there's a badge called Nest that covers keeping your house a home. Yeah. And there's also the, the other unusual one, maybe, I don't know, you're probably going to ask this next, is the Commerce badge. Is right, there yeah. There's um, commerce, and there's a what was the other one? Like community, community oh, yeah. living, community living. Yep. Yeah. Can you talk about the, the community living one? And, and sure. And because that's that also is a lot of what we're doing here at Thoreau College. Yeah. So the the goal of that is to build the kind of community that Paul likes, and he's got an intentional community at his site, and he runs it in a very particular way that he he's consulted with other intentional communities and he's had he's a fair bit of experience in this area so it, this badge reflects the kind of community building he thinks is supports a community so there's a lot of stuff that people would think is a community item but it it isn't according to his experience so there are a lot of things like making art that the community can see or <laughs> like having an events like club meetings and Signage, like yeah. In informational. Yeah, kind of. informational signs on things, maps to show you where how to get around the place. Uh -huh. uh, stuff, yeah, things like that. I'm trying to remember all, this, all the things in there. I should pull the book out. It's right in front of me here. <laughs> I wish someone would write a book with this in there. Yeah, oh, no, where is it? Yeah, like setting up a little free library, honor system food stands, yeah. um, making a dinner and doing all the dishes for eight people. There that's you go. one that's hard for people to do. It's hard for eight people to enjoy a meal and then not help with the dishes. And so many times we've rejected those because people will have help at some point, and they they think it builds community to have help. And normal people, well, I won't say normal. Lots of people would think that, but the way, but Paul's experience is that it, it's a true gift to your community if you do everything, versus making all the dishes dirty in the kitchen, serving a meal, and then leaving, and then everyone else has to clean the dishes or, mm -hmm. or something like that. So he's got some reasons for some of these things. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, making a holiday. Yeah, I think you, even if we can just, you know, reasonable people can disagree what goes on to those lists. I, I, the fact that, that Nest and community living and commerce 
things like that are, are on this list. Like it invites the conversation about what are the essential skills mm-hmm. that a person you'd want it to, to, to a person to demonstrate. And, yeah. and especially as you know, we're thinking about creating curriculum here, like that's, it's stimulating, you know, to like, well, what would I put on that list? Yeah. Yeah. I, I've, after going through this list so many times over and over and working on it, it's like, I've, I kind of wish I had my own. So now I'm, yeah, that's why I'm working on my own <laughs> list. It's, it's uh, very similar, but there's areas that I'm, I'm changing around because I think they're more important for here or for me and other ones are less important, but cool. that's okay. Yeah. Do you, um, where do you think, where do you hope this goes? Where does this go next? That's great. Until I met you, I was thinking that the, the where it might go would be like folk schools would teach, like maybe take on this and say, hey, we could do the Woodland Care badge and uh-huh. have that as a as a folk art thing and people could come here and do a woodland care badge from this skip program that maybe you've heard about and and it'd be just a way of bundling badges and people could come and do a couple badges at a folk school mm-hmm. but then you got me thinking and now i guess there's this thing called like micro colleges <laughs> and yeah you know, I, I and maybe you've, you're probably way ahead of me on this but you know then i was i realized well there could be small little schools that have this as a major part of their curriculum. So you do some skip stuff. You do some of that philosophical, liberal artsy stuff that's so <laughs> wonderful, and some you know all those things. But combine it into a, a two year program, something, mm-hmm. and then taking a little bit from engineering school. When we got you know junior year, or so you'd go out and you'd work at a at a factory or at a at a company for six months. So do an internship or a oh. co-op term. And then they also had like job placement things, like you'd do interviews on campus, all the employers would come. So something like that with Otis's where, okay, you're in this two-year program at some college in Southwest Wisconsin that's really small, maybe micro. And then, you know, after, after a certain period, you're doing internships at different Otis's places or right. just homesteads. Maybe it isn't an Otis. You don't know who's an Otis. Never know. Who is it? Right? Could be this person. <laughs> could be Nancy here. I don't know. Better not make her mad. Yeah. And then there could be like a more of a, a actual connection between the Otis and the and the student if if it had a a, a micro college to base it all around. So like a regional area might on this. 2,000 Otis's within 50 miles are right here. Yeah, I think that the Driffles region here is especially dense with, with, yeah. with you know, because there's a lot of small farms, a lot of, like, a lot of uh, kind of creative-minded people who've cared for their land, and mm-hmm. uh, and, and I think it's, it's an environment that, you know, it's the Amish have settled this area, the Back to the Landers have settled this area for a reason, right? It's yeah. a landscape that supports this kind of diversified permaculture kind of way of life. Yeah, exactly. Uh, there could So I could, I could now imagine small colleges having this program built or having a program built around this maybe it's not even this but it's their own idea of skills that would be worthwhile but then connecting them deliberately with people in the community otis is in the community having uh between internships and time spent on the farm making those connections and then whereas the skip program in permies we don't know that any nobody necessarily knows anyone one otis in maryland might choose somebody you know a kid from wisconsin and yeah they come out there and they meet and and all that and that's wonderful but it could be deliberately done in a small micro college type format so yeah it's interesting to me that your your uh, events out there have attracted slightly older people 
Um, that, that really is not is actually not surprising to me um, because I think that those are the people who have the, the enough skills to even get to that point, <laughs> mm. right? I, I do think that they're, one of the things that a micro-college context may well be able to offer is, is getting people to the point where they could do something like that because, um, like I say, I think that, that the, the, the baseline kind of cultural knowledge of how to do things is so depleted mm-hmm. across the society <clears throat> that people need, you know, like a scaffolding, right? And that's that's what schools, you know, ideally, pr- pr- you know, provide, right? There's a scaffolding to learn something that then eventually you're able to stand on your own, right? And so, this, um, my sense is, yeah, that's one of the ways we're already working with this idea here. Is is that is this? What are the the baseline things that we can get people introduced to, so then they they can go out and, you know, we're not gonna like walk through a person of of creating their whole wardrobe from seed. Like that's that'd be crazy to create like a college program around that. Um, mm-hmm. People got to do that on their own. But the beginning, like those, all those sand badge things, like that basically is is a is a micro college curriculum. I would say. Yeah, and I could see. And one challenge with this is you have to do all these tasks yourself. You can't right. have help. Right. Except like a little muscle help getting a big log is fine. Yeah. So. But that's I, that's that's a great kind of I think you know. Um, impulse here right because you you could you know people can choose which ones they do and you know that whether they they actually go and submit it to permies or not that that's like that that's up to them but like that the the framework of this of of how you learn the skills and then people can choose what they do with it that makes a lot of sense to me yeah and i could see people having a a bunch of free time like three days a week you've got a half a day to do yeah work more in depth on whatever whatever badges you want and so you could specialize in textiles or specialize in something or, or explore mm-hmm. your, your the core curriculum is maybe the sand badges but yeah. by the time you get out of school maybe you'd have those, those yeah. higher level ones done and if you don't if you stay local and don't even post it to permies then maybe you find somebody yeah. regionally or you get accredited by <laughs> On the Permis accreditation system, there's no such thing. But, you know, you can post out there, and then now the whole world can see what you've done, and maybe yeah. you'd, maybe someone in uh, France would give you a vineyard or something. Maybe, yeah. Yeah, and so the, your other thought about folk schools, I think, is is also, like, something that makes a lot of sense to me. And, you know, we are here. We both have microcollege and folk school in the same organization. So um, also is influencing my thinking about folk school course offerings, right? We, we have a variety of classes, you know, we have foraging and wildcrafting, we have textile things, we have cooking and food things, we have sort of, you know, all kinds of, all, a lot of these different areas, but they're looking at this uh, really also illuminated me, oh, we don't have any of that, right? Uh-huh. Several different areas that, that are missing that, that is having a framework like that is, is helpful also in kind of filling out a full curriculum of one or two day workshoppy type classes for, for people of all ages. Yeah. Yeah. Happy to help. Yeah, <laughs> I think that uh, yeah, you you and, and Paul and the, and the and have done a great service with this. I really was so excited to learn about it. Um, Thank you. And uh, yeah, it's something you know I've, I've started to share with with our students right away and uh, to tell people about. So I'm really glad you're able to come on and, and explain something about it. And uh, so I can also direct people to this inter- interview. So yeah, my pleasure. Yeah, and if they need to. I'm assuming we're wrapping or getting closer sure, to finishing yeah. up. Yeah, if you need to get more information, of course, permies.com slash skip has everything. This wonderful book is, you know, it's you can purchase it on Permies, um, or you can get it on any an- online retailer of your choice. The nice thing about that is the more reviews we get out there on those online platforms, I think it spreads things even further, so that's a neat mm-hmm. way 
or I can sneak you some on the side, but <laughs> that doesn't help the people listening probably. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, check it out and definitely, you know, check out the book, check out the, the site on Permies because it really explains a lot of it. And, and just, even if you have no interest in, in documenting what you're doing, it's a great list to compare your own, you know, what do you know now and what you'd like to know and what you'd like to know how to do. And, and yep. it's, it's the, the work has been done to, to really think about what it might do, what you might need to know and might need to experience in order to, to live a, to live in a pretty self-sustainable kind of life. Yep. Yeah. So. What are some projects I can do this weekend? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Mike. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you, Jacob. All right.